deep in the heart of the swamp. This is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats, the story of the 2014-2015 softball national champions. I'm your host, Adam Schick. Historically, the titans of college softball were all on the West Coast, with UCLA and Arizona claiming 13 of the first 16 championships contested beginning in 1982. That was a full 15 years before the Gators even had a program, as they didn't begin play until 1997. Early on, Florida was competitive, but never elite, as they failed to make it to a Super Regional or the College World Series. That began to change quickly in 2006, when Athletic Director Jeremy Foley brought in a new coach from Wichita State. Tim Walton had only three years of head coaching experience under his belt, but Foley identified that he had the critical X factor. If I had a crystal ball on all our coaches, I never would have hired a coach. It wasn't successful, right? But he, he tried to see things in people. Tim would have done a really good job at Wichita State. And, you know, that's a program where you probably obviously not the same resources as Florida, but done a really good job. The people there loved him. Just a lot of things, good things are said about him. Uh, here's a couple of things that stand out. Tim really wanted our job. It's just not an easy job. You know, obviously, you know, he was replacing uh, coach Karen Johns, who's done a decent job here. Um, Karen and I are good friends, we remain good friends, but we made a difficult call because I thought we could be better in softball. I thought we were just okay. You know, we were making the NCAA tournament, but it just never got to what I thought was our potential. So he's taking over. There's some expectations here and probably some inherent pressures there that never phased him, and he wanted it. He competed for it. I mean, he reached out to me and continued to reach out, and then we brought him here. You know, Tim's an impressive guy when you meet him. You know, he, he played baseball for Oklahoma. When they won the national championship in baseball, he was a starting pitcher in the final game. You know, the coach had enough faith in his ability. I don't know if he got to win or not. They won the game. But I don't know if he got to win. But bottom line is they, they wanted Tim Walton to have the ball. And I think that made it say something about his makeup, his competitiveness. And I like that. You know, so, again, you roll all those things together and, you meet the guy and you find out his ethics and his morals and the type of person he is. You say, let's take a chance with him. And, and obviously to say he's done a great job here is, it would be an understatement, but he had got us to Oklahoma city a number of times and never had busted through that door. That bothered him more than it bothered me. Hmm. You know, and again, I know how hard it is to win national championships. Right. And we're never going to complain at the university of Florida to get to the final world series and come up short. You know, there's a bunch of talented teams out there. Everything has to break your way. Despite two championship appearances in their first four trips to the World Series from 2008 to 2011, things didn't quite break the Gators' way in Oklahoma City, and they were forced to watch Alabama claim the first title for the SEC in 2012. That same season, Florida suffered a stunning first weekend exit in the NCAA tournament as disciplinary issues rocked the core of the program. When the players came back to begin preparing for 2013, they discovered a different approach from Coach Walton and a renewed focus on what it meant to be a Gator. That was a wake-up call for the returners, including sophomore Lauren Hager. I think it, you know, it changed all of us as people. It changed Coach Walton as a person. It changed the way 
he approached us. It changed the way we approached each other. It changed the way we approached him. Um, we started off the year taking personality tests and Hmm. I think for him, it was like, okay, I clearly need to get to know these players a little bit better, how they react in stressful situations, what they need from me when they're doing bad, when they're doing good, what they need from each other. And so everybody is so different that he really took the time to get to know every single one of us and what we need when something isn't going right. Like, you know, he could really, he could really lay it on me and yell at me and, you know, get after me. And that was okay. But there were other players on the team that like, they didn't play well when that happened. And it wasn't because they were weak. It's just because that's just not how they handled conflict very well. And he kind of learned how to do that. And we learned how to do that with each other. And we talked about our needs a lot. Um, We also when we got to school, my sophomore year, we had nothing with a gator head on it. Absolutely Mm. nothing. So the poor freshman came in excited, you know, the Kelsey Stewart, Aubrey Monroe, they came in excited to get all their gear. Absolutely nothing had a gator head. (laughs) And he was like, this is something you don't just get. This is something you need to earn. This is something, you know, and it took a while for us to earn it. I think it was, you know, you get to school in August, maybe November, early November. We finally earned our Gator heads back after a fall game. We started playing fall games with orange and blue, just dry fit shirts. We didn't have Gators on them. Um, And so we got our Gator heads in the middle of playing fall games. And that was such a special moment. And it all gave us a bigger reason as to why we play and why we're here and not to take it for granted. And and then I think for us, we started off that season being ranked lower than we all expected. And we used that as like, you know, fuel in our fires. We wanted to prove that we still had a name and we were still the University of Florida. And the freshman class was awesome. Obviously, you know, Kelsey Stewart, Auburn Monroe, Kirsty Merritt, the list goes on of like an amazing class. Um, and so that helped as well to have grinders come in and not care about the gator head and just want to be there and grind for each other. And I don't know, I think it really changed our team dynamic when we saw a different side of Coach Walton and he saw a different side of us. And we got to the World Series that year when no, absolutely no one thought we had any business of being there. And it was an awesome experience. It was my first time at the World Series. And so it was nerve wracking as heck. And it's exactly what you think it is. And I don't know, it was just, it was a start of something great for all of us. It didn't start out easy, but it ended in the way that we wanted it to end. While 2013 didn't end in a title, it reestablished the expectation to end the year in Oklahoma City. Going into 2014, the Gators returned the vast majority of their roster and were on the rise, but far from a favorite to win it all. During the offseason, Tim Walton stumbled onto a book that affected him enough to pull a key lesson from it and take that to his team in their first official meeting of the year. You know, it's funny. I was um, I was on an airplane and I flew across the country and um, I'll never forget this. And so that's why it's easy. I, I pulled out a book and started reading the book. And before I was done, I'm, I'm not an avid like reader, like I'm not somebody who's going to sit down and crush a book. And um, I couldn't put this book down. And by the time I'm done with the trip, I come home. I'm super motivated. I'm ready to go. It was right before the uh, team was coming back. Um, and um, the book was Lone Survivor. And um, I read the book and in the, probably in the first 12 pages, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never be a Navy SEAL. These guys are unbelievable. And, um, but the, the thing that stuck out to me in that book real quickly was what those guys sacrifice. So I came back and I was inspired. I got in front of my team and I said, listen, here, I got it. I got the secret ingredients. Here it is. <laughs> 
So what I want the team to do is I want each one of you to give up two things for the season. Just give up two things. But I also want you to do one more thing than you normally would. And I'm sitting here going, man, this, the team is going to love it. They're going to be super fired up. And all of a sudden, one of the players on the team, and this is a quote, and I'm not going to say the player, she goes, I'm not giving up cookies. <laughs> I, I said, no, 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 you're missing the point. I'm not telling you what you have to give up. I'm telling you that if we can all give up two things and, and do one more thing of, of everything else, I think this team has a chance. I think we've got a special opportunity in front of us. Anyways, I walked away from the meeting mad because nobody else saw my vision. They weren't as inspired as I was from reading the book. The next day, the team got me up and said, hey, we're in. We're ready. Let's do it. We're doing it. And I said, hey, I don't need to know what your things are. You guys keep that amongst each other and you guys hold each other accountable. I think that's the way to do it. Don't worry about me because I'm not trying to pry. I'm just saying, hey, to, for every great challenge and every great opportunity comes sacrifice. And, um, you know, long story short, I gave up beer and caffeine for the entire season. I'm oh, not, wow. I've, I've, never, I've never told anybody this for my family. I give up beer and caffeine for the entire season. And the one thing I wanted to do more of was watch video. I wanted to watch video. Uh, that was that was how I went about it. And that's what I did. And um, I'm not going to say the rest was history. But at the end of the day, my two sacrifices and, and my do more were, were those. And I really felt like that connected, I, I guess, me to the team. And it connected our staff to the team to, to really make them all understand that every single one of us is giving something up, you know, to be on this team and to be a part of this special opportunity. Catcher Aubrey Monroe is heading into her sophomore season and remembers being mostly bewildered by Coach Walton's new motivational tactic. At first, a lot of us were like, what? <laughs> Why are you trying to do this to us? I think I I know I gave up some kind of candy because I have a really bad sweet tooth. So I know mine was candy related. I can't remember which one it was exactly. But I know a lot of us like we were like, OK, sure, <laughs> let's do it. I don't know. I mean, I think I, I don't know if everybody stuck to it for the whole year. Right. But um, I think a lot of people managed to give something up for most, if not the whole season. It yeah. sounds like he created his own version of Lent or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, like Lent falls in softball season. So we had people like, um, like Jess D'Amico, who she was practicing Lent. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm giving up like five things. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. Odd as it may have seemed, Walton's approach proved effective as the Gators rattled off 22 straight wins to open the year. But the SCC proved to be something of a roller coaster as they won big road series against LSU and Texas A&M while dropping home series to both Alabama and Missouri. But the most impactful weekend of the year came midway through the season at Tennessee, where Florida was swept and saw senior ace Hannah Rogers rattled, marking a clear turning point for both her and the team. I know for a fact that Hannah was so, she was so mad and so furious. And, and she, she came back and Delaney Gorley, I mean, that's the, the key you know, cog in the wheel there. Delaney Gorley, Hannah on her off day on a Monday, she was so mad at how hard she was getting hit. She said, Delaney, teach me how to throw a change. Teach me your changeup because I've got a changeup and it ain't, it ain't your changeup. <laughs> and Delaney spent that day and many other days in the bullpen and some other stuff. And the next thing you know, Hannah doesn't have a changeup. Like if she couldn't throw the changeup, it didn't work. But she's throwing her drop ball, which Hannah was a drop ball pitcher. And instead of throwing her drop ball at 68 miles an hour, like she did 66 miles an hour, all of a sudden, she's throwing a drop ball at 60. So she developed what you would call an off drop or an off speed drop. 
And the next thing you know, like, oh my gosh, what is that pitch? Because nobody can hit it. Um, and, and when they hit it, it was always, it was a ground ball to the infield, the ground ball to the infield, the ground ball to the infield, the ground ball to the infield. So that was really cool to me to see that, that relationship between um, freshman and senior. And, um, you know, that was the turning point for Hannah Rogers is Delaney Gorley's opportunity um, to really help Hannah with a, with a pitch that she couldn't get. And, you know, to this day, she still doesn't have a changeup, but she has that off-speed drop. And that was like, that's the most impressive thing I've seen. I think she was starting to feel a little bit of that, like, senior, like, this is my last shot kind of feeling, you know? And mm-hmm. so we get about halfway through the season. Um, we had lost Heather Braswell. And that kind of rocked a lot of us. And then we got swept by Tennessee, lost to FSU. And I remember having practice after that FSU game and being so pissed. I mean, and again, I'm I'm not I don't really love to dwell on stuff. And but I somebody was like, why is everybody so pissed off? And I <laughs> I am like, I'm not a real snippy person. But I was like, we just lost four games in a row. We don't do that here. And he was like, during stretch lines or something stupid. And it was just like, looking back, I'm like, how lucky are we that like, we don't do that here is we lose four games, you know, and it's obviously there's a standard tied to that in the culture, which is good. But it's so funny. I look back and I'm like, four games. And I was, I was wondering what was going wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just in hindsight, it's like, wow, I mean, that's probably what made us great, that kind of mentality. But at the same time, it's like, chill, Aubrey. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But um, after that series, we all were kind of like trying to figure out what the heck do we do? But Hannah, on an off day, pitchers went out to throw because, and normally, honestly, pitchers don't always do a whole lot on off days because it's like they're putting a lot on their bodies during the week. It's mostly like hitters go hit for a little bit by like, by themselves or with another person like it's not a heavy day for pitchers but her and Delaney me and another catcher probably Taylor Fuller um, we went out and we were kind of just hanging out it was very light and Delaney's messing around like showing Hannah her change up and Hannah's Hannah's was always super serious in games but she is a total goofball like she'd be in the bullpen telling me stuff like all right Aubrey Aubrey I'm gonna I'm gonna close my eyes and try a new pitch I look at her, I'm like, Hannah, what are you doing? Like, can we please just like have a normal bullpen? Like, can we just right. chill? So she's out there and she's learning Delaney's changeup, just kind of like fiddling around. And through that, she got a changeup, like a good one for the first time in her whole career. Mm. And what was really cool is, I mean, Delaney, like taking her best pitch, something that makes her unique and teaching that to Hannah. So it was just on a random off day that she, you know, everyone out there kind of just hanging out very relaxed that she learned a new pitch that made all of her other pitcher pitches look better. And then once we saw the selection show that year, I'm not kidding. It was lit- when you talk about a flip, a switch being flipped. Oh my gosh. She was laser focused. Like I've never seen anybody before. Hmm. It was really cool. Just, I mean, to be a part of that, to catch with her, like, I think I caught all, if not just about all the games in postseason that year. And so it was like getting to like see her go from Hannah, like rock solid, funny, like very goofy to Hannah rock solid, but this new level of focus, this new level of command. And it was just so cool to be a part of. The Gators opened their postseason run by heading to the SEC tournament in Columbia, South Carolina, where they were quickly knocked out and shut out 2-0 by Georgia. While that could have been a deflating moment so late in the year, the team took it as an opportunity to get angry and locked in. When we came back to Gainesville the next day for practice, and again, we're out of school, 
we just finished up uh, the SEC tournament. We're there. We're not even at the SEC tournament, you know, probably 20 hours. And mm-hmm. we're in, we're out, we drive, we turn around and come home. And so we get back to, to Gainesville the next day. And I had everybody in at the time. We, we used a, a little, uh, I think, the Lemoran media room in there. We all sat there and we watched every single pitch of our game versus Georgia in the SEC tournament that we lost. I think that was the turning point, to be honest with you, in the, in the season. That everybody on our team was was mad at me. They were mad at their performance. We went back to work that day. We got after our swings. We had a light day, actually, on, on practice. And then, I mean, it was from there, it was like, whoa. I mean, we're, we're scoring runs. We're crushing the ball. We're playing well. And I, I, I can't, I, my, my years are confused now, but I think that we beat Washington um, to go to the, uh, to the World Series. The key game, the turning point of the entire season or the, the moment where you go, this team's going to win a national championship was the first game at the College World Series versus Baylor that we won, I think, 11 nothing. It was that was the most unbelievable feeling when your team can go out not only to run rule somebody but at the World Series and everybody in our lineup contributed. We we got hot, buddy, and it was it was legit to see. Uh, and I think we just sparked right after Kirsty Merritt hit that home run to the game-ending home run against Washington to propel us to the World Series. We got hot, and I think that was that was really the probably the biggest moment when you when you can win at the World Series like that. You're you're, you're pretty good. Florida was the five seed entering the 2014 World Series following an epic three-game Super Regional against Washington, the same program that denied them a championship in 2009. But the Baylor team they met on day one wasn't the four seed. The Bears made it to Oklahoma City after a shocking upset of Georgia, preventing the Gators from having to face Chelsea Wilkinson, the pitcher who had shut them down just weeks earlier and multiple times during her career. This highlights one of the biggest and most unpredictable factors key in winning a Women's College World Series. Matchups, as explained by former Gator All-American and then-team broadcaster Megan Bush, who was part of the 2008 class that made four straight trips to the Mecca without claiming a title. Yeah, I think you completely said it. It is big determinant in how far you're going to get the World Series, especially, and Coach Walton said it from the very first time we stepped on that on that field, is you have to win the first game to win the College World Series, or at least to give yourself a, the best shot possible. Uh, otherwise, dropping into the loser bracket, you, you come into this field of play where it's unpredictable, right? So really, step one is winning your first game. And then two, after that, you're playing a bunch of great teams. There's eight great teams, and you're going to face a challenge no matter who's stepping on the field against you. But there are going to be those pitchers, and I, I'll relay it mainly to the pitchers because I was a hitter. There are some pitchers that you just don't want to face, and it's it could be a personal thing. It could be a team thing. Maybe your team doesn't hit well against you know a, a certain pitcher, but it definitely falls into your lap, so you, can't, you have to take what you will. And Coach Juan does a great job in preparing the team for that. So if it's Chelsea Wilkinson, they're going to prepare you for a changeup, which is why second time around, you're probably going to be better against her. But you get one shot at the World Series. So I wouldn't wish, and this is from personal experience, I wouldn't wish Danielle Laurie on anybody (laughs) (laughs) at the World Series. But facing Alabama in a championship game, when you face them three, four years that, that's a learning experience that you can take with you into the game. Same thing for them. They faced you three, four times over the years, too. So it's, it, it was a great battle. 
following wins over Baylor, number one seed Oregon, and then Baylor again in the semifinals, it was frequent foe and SEC champion Alabama waiting for the Gators in the finals. But despite the familiarity, Tim Walton was none too excited about that matchup. Yeah, I wasn't very excited about playing Alabama, to be honest with you, in the championship series. I know the commissioner was. He's like, yeah, I'm here to watch the SEC, you know, and we're going to get an SEC uh, national champion again. But (laughs) I, I wasn't excited about it just because of the fact that we play them so much and we, you know, we, you almost, I don't know. I, I almost like to play somebody that we haven't played before. And, um, and they'd hit Hannah pretty good to be honest with you. So, so we just, you know, just had to go about it and, you know, figure out our way. And it was pretty cool. I think the, you know, the, the first day was really good. I mean, we had a, we, we shut them out and played really well, but I think, you know, with the, the home run that Aubrey hit was huge uh, Kirsty obviously hitting one and just, we played well we played really, really well. And then obviously the, the next day when we go to play the second game now, so here's, here's the history of it. You know, we, we had an opportunity to win an SEC championship in 2011, Hannah's first year. And, um, we went, we went on Friday night. I think Hannah threw a shutout on Friday night in Tuscaloosa. So I'm like, Hey, let's run her back out again tomorrow. And at least get a share of the SEC, uh, title. And they crushed her. Hmm. So, so go to Sunday. All right, what are we going to do on Sunday? Well, let's throw Hannah out there so we can win, you know, at least a share of the SEC title or whatever that, you know, whatever it was at that time, and then hit the, the crusher again. So, um, history tells me that do not throw Hannah against Alabama back-to-back days. And so we go to we go to the next day and we go with uh, with Lauren Hager, and you know, Lauren obviously goes out and pitches pretty pretty tough. And um, I, I I didn't see this personally, but I, I heard the story that you know, out of the bullpen comes running and, you know, and ESPN's ready to go. All right, here comes Hannah, Hannah, I mean, Hannah Rogers coming out of that. And, oh, wait, it's Delaney Gorley. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, to me, it was, it was really a cool opportunity. Delaney Gorley gets the W for us. Hannah gets the save. Uh, Hannah's the most, uh, most outstanding player. We played really, really well. The team played really, really well. I mean, and, um, the the meaningful part of it is I didn't want to play Alabama, not because I um, don't like Alabama. It's because Alabama has been a tough, tough dang competitor. And um, I wanted it to be the easiest way to win a national championship and not have to be so, um, you know, be so tough. You want when you get to that point in time, everybody wants to play a tough schedule. When you get to the end, you want an easy schedule. You want to play. <laughs> you want to play teams that you're going to beat. And um, so to me, that was it was really, really, really tough in the championship series. Every out was tough to get. And. Every hit was tough to, to, to get as well. Something that you dream of, you live for. And in the last inning, all you're looking for is Hannah Rogers to be that rock that she's been for you all season long. Two outs. The senior toes the rubber. A one-two pitch. Chopper to the circle. Rogers to first. See you later, OKC, for the first time in school history. The Florida Gators are national champions. The second title for the Southeastern Conference belongs to the Orange and Blue, and the dog pile is on here at ASA Hall of Fame Stadium. And I, it's amazing, it's amazing to be a part of this program, and, and they know it, they know what they've been through, and that's what makes it the best, is that the journey hasn't been the easiest, but they've really made it count. They've made this the most amazing season in program history. The Gators ultimately claimed their first national championship with a two-game sweep of the Crimson Tide, and Aubrey Monroe still remembers the dogpile. 
Well, I'm on the bottom <laughs> because I'm like the first one to get to Hannah. Um, I love dog piles. They're a little scary, but they're so brief that I like actively am trying to be like, this is, this is going to be over in freaking seconds. Like enjoy this. You know, mm. Hannah is super claustrophobic, like super claustrophobic. So she goes, I'm like, I'm under Hannah because I learned from my freshman year when I tackled her to go to the world series. And I'm like, that was dumb. Can't do that. Um, <laughs> we still have games to play. Um, so I was under Hannah and she is screaming after she's so happy. And then she goes to screaming like, Oh my gosh, get off. Cause she's claustrophobic and it's a lot of pressure under there mm-hmm. and it's just piling on, piling on, piling on. And I'm just remember like laughing because I'm like, this is insane. Um, and then it's over and you get up and you're like, what just happened? You're hugging everybody. And it's in that year, actually, I don't know why, but I get up from the dog pile and the lady with the trophy, who, whoever that lady is, she walks over and gives me the trophy. And I'm like, I have the trophy. So I'm like, I go, I find, I turn around and I see Hannah. I'm like, here you go, Hannah. And I'm like, lift it up. And so we all lift it up. And then we start like, you know, putting ones up and all that stuff. But I was like, how did they just give me the trophy right now? Like, just weird in the moment things. And like, when you watch it back, you're like, what the heck? But yeah, it's just, you feel so many things, but it, it goes by in like the blink of an eye at the same time mm-hmm. because it's so much work. It's so much excitement. It's so much, um, it's truly like, it's one of those things I like to watch back because I feel like I see something different every time. So it's like, like to see our coaches with like a four way hug, you know, and it like just random things like that that you don't see because you're in your own moment mm-hmm. um, was just there. I, I stand by this. There's nothing like the first one. Mm. It's so, so special. For Tim Walton, the 2014 team was the ultimate testament to unselfishness and the role it plays in reaching the highest levels of success. The only thing I can look back on about this team, if you look at it now, <laughs> we had some star power names. People just didn't know their names yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I think our statistics, because we played such a tough schedule all the time, our statistics were lower than some of the other players out there. And so people weren't giving our players probably as much credit as they deserve. And so I think that with that being said, um, you know, you look at it now, Aubrey Monroe was on that team and she's obviously going to catch the uh, U.S. team in the Olympics. Um, Kirsty Merritt was a finalist for the uh, Olympic cut. Um, you know, Kelsey Stewart was on that team. Um, but then, the, you know, the, the players obviously on, on those teams, the Lauren Hager and the, the Hannah Rogers and Bailey Castro had a phenomenal World Series for us. And um, just so many cool things that I look at with that team. But our pitching staff, we had some All-American stud pitchers with Hannah and uh, Lauren Hager and uh, Delaney Gorley. I mean, think of the All-Americans that we've had in that circle. And that, to me, was the biggest difference. And to, to ramble on about your question, I can tell you that I have had some teams that maybe on paper had better statistics. I don't know that we had players on – I mean – Stephanie Toft, the Katie Medina, mm. Taylor Fuller, and Taylor Schwartz. I mean, those are huge components. And so here's the here's the key. And this, I'll tell you this. And again, this is a, a point that I've never said out loud that I can share with you because I think this is, is valid for the story. The reason we were able to win a national championship in 2014 is not because of the star power. It's because the unselfish player and parent that I had. And what I mean by that is I had players – that were willing to take less scholarship to be a Gator 
than I've had in the past. Our players and parents all understood, hey, we're, here's what they wanted, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to go about it. And so I was able to squeeze more talent into 12 scholarships because of the parents and the players. And, um, and again, they know this because I've told them, but I have great admiration and appreciation for the parents and the players because they all understood what it was going to take to win a national championship, and that's why they wanted to be Gators. The title was celebrated across Gator Nation, especially by former players like Megan Bush, the former SEC career home run champion, who had the opportunity to witness the crowning achievement from the press box. I couldn't wait to get out of that booth to get down there. <laughs> I think you let me out a little bit early so I could run down and celebrate with him. But I just remember being in tears, waiting for the security guards to let me hop the fence because they were holding people back forever. But it, it, it was just a, a great team win for our program. And I knew it was about time because uh, we've been waiting for it. Like, you know, we've been waiting for it for a long time. So it was great to, to have a piece of that, especially because a lot of my teammates that laid that foundation with me, they weren't physically there. So I was very excited that I could uh, witness it firsthand. Winning one title is great, but when the core of your team is coming back, the expectation immediately turns to repeating the feat. While Tim Walton was certainly amped up to begin another run in a championship, he had a clear message he wanted his team to understand before the season. This really was interesting because you know, I think I said it before, and one of my one of my greatest greatest coaches of all time, uh, friends said to me, he says, you know, he, he talks with a, with a rough act. He up. You don't go out back to back. You're not defending. You defend your country. You don't go out there and try to defend titles. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know. So it was really funny to hear him say that to me. But he's he's right. You know, you, each team, each year, sometimes each week, it's a new team. And so. 2015, as much as we were prepared, was a new season and a new team with people doing it for the first time. And so we attacked it really well in the preseason. We did a great job with our with our strength coach and our trainer and, you know, all from that standpoint, even our managers. I mean, we were so locked in with our managers, our trainer and our strength coach and our coaches. And it's the same people. And so um, I think that helps. We can identify some weaknesses some challenges, some different things that we needed you know, along the way. And it was actually a, a, a much easier season knowing that we'd already won the year before. The harder part was obviously the World Series, a lot tougher World Series. Regardless of how the pursuit was classified, the preseason number one squad was happy to carry the weight of expectations, especially senior Lauren Hager. I loved every second of it. I thrive off of stuff like that. And for me, it was exactly what I ever wanted you know there's always going to be this person's ranked ahead of this person and they lost hannah and they lost this and uh, can she do it can she do it and there's always the outside voices you know there's always twitter there's always espn there's always instagram whatever the case is but um i think for me that's what i've always dreamed about like being ranked in that position and winning and personally i went through a lot through that season and changed as a player almost a 180 um, to step up into that position wasn't easy. It was a battle. Fall was really hard for me. I had things in my personal life going on. Um, So up until that moment of like actually starting off the season, it was a mess for me. But as a whole, I think it wasn't necessarily our goal. And we were like, what are we doing? We came to the University of Florida. We want to 
you know, compete for a national championship every single year. These are the expectations. When we go to 6 a.m., we don't miss times. That's not an option. I don't even want to know what would have happened if we missed times or if someone was late or all those kinds of things. It was just, it wasn't acceptable. And when those become your everydays and those become your everyday expectations, you that's a recipe for winning um, without us even really realizing it. And so I think for me, I just had a whole different story than everybody else, but I thrive and love that that was the case. Um, trying not to let the outside factors really affect, you know, the numbers of the rankings and whatever. At the end of the day, you want to host your regional, you want to host your super regional. That was our goal. And then once you get to the world series, nothing else matters. As a sophomore, like my, we won my sophomore year. I'm kind of thinking like, okay, my biggest dream up to this point just came true like what's the rest of my career because it's almost like like you don't think like oh we're going back to back like you do you say it but you're like holy cow that was a lot went into that first one like this is crazy Mm -hmm. you know and so many things can happen there's so many variables but I remember thinking like okay well that that's not like my career isn't just over you know like I still have two more years I still have two more years to make an impact I've still have two more years to to win you know so I I kind of had that processing that summer of like, we know what it takes. We know how to do it. Like, let's just do it again. And I think our whole program kind of felt that way. I mean, obviously we lost Hannah and Steph who were, they were very important to the program. Like they were both starters. Hannah obviously just was lights out in postseason that year. And so it's like, we knew that like we were taking a hit. But at the same time, I don't think anybody was like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because we had Lauren. We had Delaney. Um, Lily was coming in that next year. Like, we didn't know, like, all the things that were coming with that. But I don't think any of us felt like, oh, no, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You know, we had so much talent. We had so much um, – we had a lot of personalities on those teams um, that were really competitive and that really bought into – Everybody just bought into like, this is what we do here. This is like, we do not accept less. So runs were hard and it was just what we did. Like, even if you hated it, even if you hated the run, nobody missed times. We don't do that here. And like, it would fire us up. And so like, I think that was sort of a a culture that just circulated through the whole team. Everybody was really bought into that. So coming back, it's like, all right, well, let's just do what we always do. Mm Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily a, like, we didn't try anything really new. It was just, we know what it takes. We know what we need to do. I think there was, there was some pressure, but it didn't feel, I don't know. I I didn't feel as much pressure that second year. I felt a lot of pressure my senior year, but my junior year, it was kind of just like, this is what we do. We know what it takes. Like, just go do it now. The Gators had lost two starters from the championship team third baseman Stephanie Toft, and of course, World Series' most outstanding player, Hannah Rogers. That left a glaring hole in the circle, and there were multiple contenders to fill it. Alicia Ocasio was a highly touted freshman, and Delaney Gorley was coming off a strong inaugural season. But Lauren Hager was the clear leader in the clubhouse as a returning senior All-American. And though she was more known for knocking balls out of the park than for dominating in the circle, she was determined to change that. So in the fall, I ashamed to say that I feel like I just assumed that that was going to be my role. I was going to be the number one pitcher and I worked hard and there was, I was never late. I always did what everyone said to do. I was in the bullpen. I was playing first base. I was hitting and I was, 
I was there at the field almost the longest every day just because of I had to come early to throw bullpens and I had to stay through the hitting rotation. And that's just kind of what was I was used to. Um, I also wanted to get a better changeup. I felt like if I could get a better off-speed pitch, my speed would count better and I would be able to get through a lineup more times than what I normally would. So your goal is if you can have a pitcher that gets through a lineup three times, that's pretty impressive. Not a lot. Hitters are so good that those adjustments are made earlier on in the game. And so it was working on a changeup, which I can't even, I don't even, can't even count how many changeups Coach Rocha and I ended up trying just being creative. Okay, well, I, I thought about this one and I'd try to throw it, I'd throw it over the the bullpen and I was like that's not gonna work I don't know where that's gonna go or that one's too fast or that one's too slow or that one doesn't look like all your other pitches and I can see that one and I can pick that one and so it was just a process but at the end of the day my exit meeting um for Christmas break wasn't exactly how I wanted it to go um I will always be so thankful for coach Walton for being the most honest human being I've ever met in my life and he was honest and said you know what like I don't see you as the number one pitcher and I don't see you as getting through a line of three times I can't hand you the ball on Friday night and say that I think we're gonna win every single time and I was like okay well like what do I need to do and he's like I don't know you do everything I tell you to do. You know, I, I, you do everything I tell you to do. You mm-hmm. come on time. You're not late. You don't cause problems. You work hard. You, you know, you do everything that's expected of you. But that factor of like coming into the bullpen and making every single bullpen matter. I can't make you do that. Like that's something you have to do and you need to be creative and you need to find a way with coach Rocha to really buy in enough to walk out of a bullpen, whether it's a bad day or a good day that something was accomplished. And in that moment, we kind of decided that first base was just going to go away. I, you know, we had Taylor Schwartz, we had other people to play first and that were better at it and liked it better. So I was like, why don't we just focus you on hitting and pitching and taking that away was a blessing. I felt like I was good at all three of them. I wasn't great at any of them. And in that moment, I started working, you know, I come back in January and start working on a changeup again. And it ended up being, I mean, you might not know anything about like pitching and like when you get changeups in that process from when you're little, but a flip change, a, some sort of a flip change is something you learn when you're like 10. If it doesn't work, you generally don't ever go back to it and end up being bad. <laughs> it just, it kind of came all full circle in that way. And it was good and it got better. And all of a sudden, I had an opportunity that I begged Coach Walton for on a Friday at Alabama, our first SEC series, and the rain was coming, and he's like, okay, you're going to start the first game. I wasn't supposed to, and I threw a shutout at Alabama with my changeup and everything. And it just, from that, excuse me, from that moment on, I couldn't lose. I felt like I was on fire. And Rocha and I were right on, and Aubrey and I were right on, and it was like, let's go. I, from that moment was a big defining moment for me, but the process before that was up and down and crazy, but I really just bought in. I bought into coach Walton and I bought into coach Rocha and I gave them my full trust as an athlete. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. One of the things that I can tell you that where it changed was January of 2015. Lauren Hager came back with a little bit more in her eyes and and it was, it was, fi- I don't want to say finally, cause I don't want to say Lauren Hager was hard to coach. She was not hard to coach. She was a pleaser. Um, she was somebody who everybody on the team liked her all the time, but I don't think Lauren was always committed 100% to, to herself. Like she just kind of, she just got, got enough. 
that year, January, she was like, hey, her bullpen's changed. She spent more time, and she wanted to do it. So it's one of those adages you tell all the coaches out there. If you can get players to do what they want and what you want as a coach, you're going to have a phenomenal player. If you force a player to do something you want, uh, not all the time are they going to perform. And so Lauren wanted more. She wanted to hit more. She wanted to pitch more. And she wanted to be more productive in those in those sessions. And so all of a sudden, we knew we were going to have a much better Lauren Hager, who was already really good. Um, when I watched Lauren Hager in high school, I saw an opportunity for one of the best players um, the game's ever seen. I mean, to see someone throw that hard, that tall, um, for her to be able to hit the ball like she does. I mean, if she was a, a male athlete, she'd be a first-round draft pick, if not the first pick in the draft. Um, she's very, very much um, like the McKay kid from Louisville a couple years ago who could legitimately pitch and hit in professional baseball. And so um, she is unbelievable. And, and the reason that she had success in 2015 was not because we coached her up so much better it's because she coached herself up so much better. And uh, I was really, really proud of the way Lauren, you know, attacked that preseason to her senior season. Florida got off to a rollicking start in 2015, backing up their preseason number one status with 28 straight wins to open the year. They rolled through the campaign mostly unchecked, winning the regular season SCC title and led by Lauren Hager, who ended the regular season with an undefeated 24-0 record in the circle. But the SEC tournament brought adversity for the second straight year, with a second-round loss to Tennessee handing Hager her first defeat of the season. Once again using the conference tournament as a kick at the right time, the Gators rolled through to the World Series in the strength of five straight shutouts in the NCAA tournament. That led to an opening day rematch against Tennessee, who Florida got the better of when it mattered the most, followed by wins over LSU and an extra-inning thriller against Auburn to reach the finals for a second straight year. With everyone anticipating Lauren Hager to start Game 1 against Michigan, Tim Walton rolled the dice for a second straight year in the finals with an unexpected starting pitcher. The Auburn game was obviously a slugfest, and Lauren threw the most pitches that she's ever thrown in her career. And so for that, we open up, we go to Michigan, and um, we set, decided that we're going to go with a freshman. And the freshman pitched well against Michigan, uh, in the first uh, first game of the season for us, or in the first series, or first weekend of the season, Alicia Ocasio goes out and she pitched great. And uh, I think uh, the press conference, post game press conference that I heard was that um, you know the Michigan coach said that you know, we were not prepared for Alicia Ocasio. We thought we're going, they're going with Lauren Hager, but she's on fire, and we obviously changed it up. But the right move because Lauren was um, was gassed from from the Auburn that took everything out of us, I think for sure, and uh, we were able to figure it out. As it had the year before, the gamble worked for the Gators, who pulled out a 3-2 win to move one win away from completing the repeat with arrested Lauren Hager ready for Game 2. But Tuesday also saw senior Haley Wagner in the circle for the Wolverines, and the tricky lefty shut out the Gators 1-0, handing Hager just her second loss of the year and bringing it to a winner-take-all showdown the next day. But before leaving for the night, Tim Walton took an uncharacteristically aggressive approach to his usual post-game chat with his players. Yeah. So, you know, this is, again, coaches don't always have the right answers. I kicked everybody out of the dugout, all the back girls, the people, the cameras, shut the door. And I lost my mind. I lost my mind like I've never lost my mind before in a Mm. game. So you think about that. You're like, oh, my gosh, you got to be really gentle with the athletes in this point in time, because if you don't, you're going to lose the next day because of the momentum and their mindset. 
I lost my freaking mind. I went crazy and told them I couldn't believe that they were so arrogant to talk about the tattoos that they're going to get for back-to-back championships that we can't focus on being able to, you know, how what we're going to be able to do to to go out and compete against a great team in Michigan with a great left-handed pitcher. And long story short, we didn't have an answer for for Haley Wagner. She was throwing 68 miles an hour on our hands. Um, we we were really really in bad shape. We didn't swing the bat very well. So we go to our um, early morning. We get up the next morning, and everybody's still smiling. So I was good. At least I didn't lose them from the <laughs> night before. The tactics seemed just right, as Lauren Hager felt hitting the reset button put them in the right mindset for their final challenge in Game 3. We just started to act normal. Like, I felt like that second game that we did lose, we just weren't ourselves. We, like, had put all this pressure on ourselves that we didn't need to. And we usually came, you know, to the field every day on the bus with our own headphones in. And that day we came and we were all dancing and singing to our favorite songs together. And we just had this look in our eyes. And for me, I knew that no matter what, this was the last game I'll ever play in a Gator uniform. And that meant so much to me. Um, all the work and everything that I had put in, I just, I don't know. I, I love those situations and those situations don't scare me and they never have. Um, it's something that I'm trying to dig deep so I can, you know, People ask me that question, and it's like, I don't know how to answer it. I just do. I just don't know how I get better in those situations. I have no idea. I just love them, and I, I'm not scared of them. And for me, it was like, this is it. Let's go. If I lose, I lose. But I am literally not leaving this park without giving everything that I have. And everyone just accepted those roles, and we make we made good adjustments. I think there was a really good adjustment, fit, like hitting-wise, that made a huge difference that Coach Walton did for us the next morning, which made a huge difference. But for me as a pitcher, I knew that they'd see me a few times. They did score a run. But if I could keep the ball in the ballpark, I knew we had a chance. We just decided that because she was throwing such a heavy, heavy, heavy curveball, we were going to get right on top of the plate. And most people were like, hey, what? you couldn't get your – you couldn't get your barrel extended at all. You couldn't get the bat out at all, and you're going to get on the plate. So we got on the plate. We choked up. Not a normal one, two, three-inch choke up. We went to a five- or six-inch choke up, almost everybody, especially the right-handers. And um, I told them, I said, listen, if you get jammed, at least you're going to get jammed on the barrel. <laughs> you know. So, And I'll be dang if you don't have an unbelievable first inning. We rolled the dice, send Lauren Hager home on a play. She slides in, knocks the ball out. Taylor Schwartz gets legit hit. It was really cool to see us go through that. Um, again, we didn't get a lot of hits. We didn't score a ton of runs, but we got more hits than the day before, and we got more runs than the day before. And for that, they're they're hoisting you know Lauren Hager up on their shoulders in another national championship. It was really cool to live that because I can tell you that when I was yelling and screaming and getting mad, and you know I wasn't, you know I don't, I'm not really a big curse at people type person and I was yelling and and they were all looking at me in my eyes like I could see nobody was dropping their head they all looked at me and you know what I said to myself when I went home I went they were all so happy that I yelled at everybody because I think everybody wanted to yell at everybody right and um next thing you know we we come out on top the next day and I was I was again you use the word proud but to see the resiliency in a national championship series like that I mean gosh how can you not be proud what a what a moment. And then, you know, I had a moment with, with, with Kenny Gajewski in the tunnel before we won the game or as we got the last out of the game, because back to back is tough. I mean, that's a, it's a huge burden. Cause that's all you have to, everybody 
you know, including Adam Schick, what are you going to do to go back to back? What do you have to, what's the car? What do you have to do? What has to go your way? And it's like, listen, if I know, I tell you, we don't know. You just got to go out there and cut off the outside noise and just go out and compete because the other team doesn't care that you won a national championship the year before you're the only one that cares. And so I think that really puts an added layer of, um, it's not pressure, but it's just a weight that, um, you know, is unnecessarily there. Still a one-two count. She's got to throw a, a, another pretty pitch here, not on the plate. Hager retoes the rubber. Here's her one-two. Ground ball, slowly hit the first. Schwartz tags the bag. See you later, OKC again. The Gators are back-to-back -back national champions. Florida top Michigan 4-1 to one in that final contest, becoming the first team to go back-to-back -back since Arizona in 2006 and 2007, and winning their 60th game in the process. Also, a new softball legend was crowned, as Lauren Hager ended up winning SEC Pitcher of the Year, National Player of the Year, Most Outstanding Player at the Women's College World Series, and was nominated for an ESPY for Best Championship Performance against LeBron James, which gave Tim Walton a chance to reflect on her individual achievements and what they meant for the program. I mean, to tell you about Lauren, it was so cool to see her you know, to see her on in her dress and walking the red carpet of the ESPYs, my wife and I went to, as well. And uh, to see her parents and the joy and the just the pride that they shared for her and her brother. And it was really cool. Um, you know, she she does she deserved that. She earned that. I mean, that's what I say that, again, I go back to the to the January conversation that she had with me and. Um, and the conversation we had again after Tennessee and the conversation we had again. But I, I go back to the year before the national championship finals. Lauren Hager gets the start. And that really set her up for for having confidence that she could pitch to me at the national championship. You know, again, I've never seen a player have a month like she had, um, you know, offensively pitching. It's hard to do that stuff. And I recruited Katie Medina and I recruited Aubrey Monroe. Katie was in the 2011 class, Aubrey's in the 2012 class. I knew that both of them had offensive limitations and, and, and statistics would prove that same thing. You know, when you look at their stats, mm -hmm. but they were so good defensively. I had to have them, but I could only have them on my team and my program because I had Lauren Hager. Lauren Hager was the X factor. The X factor is when Lauren Hager pitches, one of those two could be a defensive player only and not have to hit in your lineup. And that makes your offense better, but it also gives you unbelievable defense. So the expectations in recruiting was Lauren Hager was going to be a number one pitcher. And with a number one pitcher can come a defensive only type player potentially. And so with that being said, you know, as I gave you the 2014 reason why we won a national championship, the 2015 reason why we won a national championship was finally Lauren Hager was unbelievable and it allowed us to be great in the circle and it allowed us to be great on offense because now we had an extra offensive player because she pitched and hit and it made us better on defense because Katie Medina and Aubrey could be on the field at the same time, which makes you unbelievable. So really proud of what Lauren did and all the things that she earned, she 100% deserved. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of somebody than, than I was for, for her and her accomplishments. Aubrey Monroe was named to the Women's College World Series All-Tournament team in both title-winning years for the Gators. And she knows that no matter what happens the rest of her life or playing career, that run that her class was part of can never be taken away. Ah, uh, it's so cool. I think it's one of those things that bonds people like for life. Like It, it doesn't matter if I don't talk to people for however long we will always be able to talk 
about that and we'll always be able to have those shared experiences and it's there's something about going through something like that like a a whole season and then on top of that like coming out and being the last one standing and like um just understanding what that grind feels like there's something about it that just bonds you and I think I mean I'm still playing so it's I haven't fully settled into like I don't know, like the nostalgia mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I still I'm a very nostalgic person. So like anytime I go back to Gainesville, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I miss it. And, <laughs> you know, I see I see all the cool stuff they have up at the new stadium. And I'm just like, wow, that's that's really cool to just be a part of that kind of history. I know my class, like just because we went through it all together, like the very beginning. I mean, we were the first class that had to earn the Gatorhead on our shirts and that mm-hmm. was brutal as a freshman you're like i just want something that says i'm on the softball team <laughs> and i have nothing um so my class takes a lot of pride in like being a part of that and being um kind of important role players to that and just we did not want to be denied and i think that culture i mean i know because me and kelsey are still teammates mm-hmm. you know we went through all of that together and that's something that like we call on now. I mean, we were at um, past summer, I think, in Pan Ams. We had lost a game and had to win. We had to beat Canada twice or something like that um, to win gold. And it's like, I'm in the outfield. We're doing VP and I'm talking to Kelsey and we're both just kind of like, you know what? I kind of got like championship vibes right now, <laughs> you know? And it's something that like we only understand because we've been through it together, you know? And it's something that you recognize. It's a feeling that you that you recognize because you've been through it. Um, and so what was cool about that year in 15, because we won the first game, lost that second game. And honestly, like Michigan came to play that second game and we did not come out as hot. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, you know, it's no matter what, somebody's winning today and it's over. And I think like somebody's memories had popped up um, from the year before and it was June 3rd and we had won the year before on June 3rd. And so it was like our group text blows up and we're like, happy championship anniversary. Let's go get another one. Like stuff like that, where it was just like things that only people that were there that that went through it, that felt it, that saw the group text that was in it. I mean, Bailey Castro, she's one of the greatest teammates I've ever had in my life. And it's like, so I remember her text to the group that year. And then even the next year, she would text our old group and just like pump us up. And it's like just stuff like that that goes on forever. I mean, we had a lot of people reach out to us on our senior day after that, like former teammates reach out to us just to kind of give us some love on our senior day. And I think that's just kind of thing that comes with going through those kind of shared experiences. While Florida was the overwhelming favorite to win a third straight title in 2016, Georgia shocked them in the Super Regionals, ending the run for the record-breaking senior class of Aubrey Monroe, Kelsey Stewart, Kirsty Merritt, Taylor Fuller, and Taylor Schwartz. The softball world didn't have to wait too long to see a repeat in Oklahoma City, though, as the Sooners went on to win back-to-back crowns immediately, the second of which, ironically enough, was against Florida. That wraps up the story of softball's magical championship run, but be sure to tune in next week as you'll hear extended conversations with Lauren Hager and Aubrey Monroe in our continuing Gator Great series. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Gator Tales, Gator Greats.